The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. Importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo and help your organization move forward in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. We're definitely here to shake up the status quo. Welcome, 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 and welcome. And you know that means I have four panelists today. You want to run with the game changers in this new, groundbreaking, game-changing digital world. You're absolutely in the right place. The buzz today is a word we all love, happiness. Yes, yes, yes. But stick around, I'll tell you more. Enterprise software has been delivering good and increasing functionality for years. That's a good thing. That's what we wanted to do. But wait a minute. Too often, the advances have been at the expense of ease of use. Talking to you and me and everybody who uses enterprise software. Why is it such an issue? Well, good design is notoriously difficult. I love that phrase, notoriously difficult. And therefore, it's not addressed or measured by most IT teams that are creating it. UX, user experience projects, are seen as a business investment. And that means user satisfaction has to translate into performance, which has to translate into measurable ROI. That's return on investment, in case you've been hiding under a rock somewhere. So the big question on the table today is, should UX or user experience, that satisfaction, that happiness we're looking for, should it be part of project development from the get-go when somebody first starts to see a need for new or increasingly improved software? Big question. It's so big. I have a panel of four, excuse me, four experts who are going to try and answer it. First up on our panel, let's see, we've got a couple of our panelists, are returning panelists. Happy to have them back. First up is Yakov Van Eden. He's a partner at Deloitte Consulting and a global enterprise usability and user experience design leader at Deloitte. That's why he's here for this topic. And Yako sent me a quote from Don Norman. Those of you unfamiliar, Donald Arthur Norman is director of the Design Lab at University of California, San Diego, best known for his books on design, especially design of everyday things. Here's the quote. The world is complex, and so, too, must be the activities that we perform, but that doesn't mean we must live in continual frustration. I think that sums it all up. Yaakov Van Eden, welcome back to our show. How are you? Good morning, Bonnie. Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Tell me about the quote from Don Norman. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, in my life, over 24 years of working with um, ERP systems, and really seeing the struggle that users go through on a day-to-day basis, getting their job done, even though it helps, you know, organize the organization, it's just been agonizing. So I, I really have made it a passion for me in my career and my life to transform experience. Um, you know, it's, 
it's about doing real business with real people. And I think what, mm-hmm. I've, what I've noticed is that complex tasks make sense because organizations are complex. However, we as people want something and, and the system to understand who we are and what we do and what we need to do and guide us through the application. Um, the whole notion of uh, consumer thinking experience, user experience, and the mobile phenomena really has taken over. And what is such a wonderful, amazing day is that now for the first time we can sit back and rethink experience, um, bring, the, bring the system to me as a person because you understand who I am and what I do and what I'm supposed to do. Somebody can sit back and, and, and rethink what that should be. Um, I think people today, users in the enterprise, want something as simple and easy as the, as the consumer apps that they used to. And that means less training, more orientation. And uh, know me, know what I need, bring me the right time, at the right time, the right information, the right step, because you know what I need to do. And that's a great day for us in, uh, in enterprise. So I'm really excited to see the changes and the um, Phenomenal, phenomenal open, open standards that the system like an SAP today brings to us. Thank you, Yako. Great introduction to our topic, and I think you just defined the word happiness in there somewhere. So thank you very much, <clears throat> and I'm very pleased to uh, read and learn about Don Norman. So thanks for bringing us his quote. Now let me introduce our second panelist, also from Deloitte, Deloitte Digital. It's Michael Romero. He's a returning guest. He's a specialist leader within Deloitte Digital, where he leads the Enterprise User Experience Group, another perfect fit for our topic. And Michael has sent me a quote from Steve Jobs. I don't know if, if a lot of people know this, but the day Steve Jobs passed away was October 5th, 2011, and I know that for a fact because that was the day we debuted a radio series called Breakfast with Game Changers, which was the forerunner of our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, and it just so happened the news was breaking that we had lost Steve Jobs that day. But here's the very interesting quote, very profound. Steve said, you've got to start with the customer experience and work backward to the technology. Michael Romero, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. Good to hear your voice again. So talk to me. Interesting quote. Absolutely perfect for our topic. Tell me how you picked this one. Well, it's not a mistake that two of the four quotes come from Steve Jobs, and Apple Mm -hmm. is notorious for ease of use and user Mm -hmm. experience. And there's no reason that we can't transform that same user experience into the workplace and around enterprise applications. So I I chose Steve Jobs because he has it right. We need to look at the user, and then we have to work backwards. The technology is there in an open source format to solve whatever problem you have, but you first have to define what is the problem you're solving for and what is the user profile you're solving that problem for, and then let the technology fall in place to resolve that problem. So it's a different way to look at workflow process problem within an organization. But Michael, who gets this? Whose job is it to understand this? Steve Jobs got it, obviously. Apple gets it. They got it from from his mantra, from his mission, from his way of looking at what do we what are we producing, why, for whom, and then making it happen with the technology after the experience was analyzed and the profiles were created. So whose job is it just briefly within today's enterprise in that IT department, that bastion of brilliance, I'll call it. Gee, I never thought of that. Bastion of brilliance, I could say, supposed brilliance. 
uh, where they are designing the software. And, and whose job is it to say, wait a minute, guys, before you start putting code down, who is the end user? What is their experience going to be? Whose job is that? I believe it's everybody's job. You have to think about it from the very beginning. And whether you're writing code, whether you're the person that's interacting with the business, whether you're the business lead themselves, you have to start thinking about it from user experience and say, how am I going to improve this process? They call it the consumerization of enterprise applications. And what's interesting is when you look at consumer apps, you have a choice if you want to use it or not. And when you look at the apps that are the most used, the Amazon, the Ubers, it's all about that ease of use. And we need to take that thought process and bring it into the enterprise. And everybody needs to think in that way, no matter what your role is. Thank you. Great answer. Thank you. And we, all I say is we could only hope so. Thank you, Michael. Good to have you back on our show. And let's bring on our – and by the way, Michael referenced two quotes from Steve Jobs. We haven't gotten to the second one yet, so stay tuned. We'll get there soon. Phil Durvin, Application Innovation Team at SAP and one of the sponsors of this series, Digital World with Game Changers Radio. Uh, Phil is responsible for social media and UX rollout at SAP. And he sent me a quote from – I'm going to pronounce this the best I can. Senid Bowles. It's C-E-N-N-Y-D-D. If anybody out there in Twitter land wants to tell me how to properly pronounce that, I would be glad to be reprimanded and corrected. He's an independent digital product designer with 13 years of experience helping companies see the benefits of good design. Previously, he was the design manager at Twitter. That's one of his reasons for fame. And he's author of the book, Undercover User Experience Design. And here's the quote that Phil sent me. We should judge our industry by the happiness we create. There's that wonderful happiness word. Phil Durvin, how are you today? Very well, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks nice for joining here. me. Talk, yeah, talk to me about this. I'll just call him C. Bowles. Talk to me about C. Bowles' quote. Well, yeah, he's a very interesting uh, writer and speaker, actually, so I recommend uh, people check him out. Um, just Google him. Uh, he's been around for a long time, actually, and uh, he, he's a native uh, British person, just like me. And I think um, just as Michael and Yako mentioned that uh, UX design has really reached the mainstream now, and you know, to your question earlier, senior executives, right, they hear about user-centered design in publications like Business Week and Harvard Business Review and TED Talks everywhere you look and of course you know all companies are looking for um, you know competitive advantage and now using design to help with that because you know seeing success of design design led products and the failure of those that uh, that don't or neglect it executives really want to be part of that action and when you you know you mentioned apple and and that's often referred to you know it's the iconic brand around lots of businesses want to be the next iphone and, you know, there's still a big gap between aspiration and, uh, and execution, let's say that. And at least I think um, companies are looking at it the right way now and looking at experience, uh, prototyping and design strategy and innovation. When you think of the imperative, that is, mm-hmm. there was a study uh, done and it, and it states that by 2030, uh, the 75% of the workforce will be a millennials and a millennial is someone that was born after 1980. So, you know, I, I often think of my 20-year-old who's at university, and when she comes into the workforce after graduating, you know, I really hope that she sits down in front of a good screen, right, because otherwise mm-hmm. she's, she's just not going to be happy. And that's what, the, you know, the companies are facing. The, uh, you know, mentioned by Michael, the consumerization, the consumer-grade user interface for commercial applications. 
in, you, if you look at tests done in the past, you know, a result might come back, it wasn't a good test, and the, the, the answer might be, well, they didn't understand the system. Well, you don't need training on Amazon. You don't need training on, on many apps these days, but, but in other areas you do. And I think that's what the industry is facing. Very interesting, Phil. Uh, yes, th that sense of impatience, the millennials, the generation that says, That's you, right, want they move to, on. you want That's me right. to be trained? You want me to be trained? Or they move on. Yeah, you, you're going to bother me with something that has a crappy interface that's taking up too much of my time. You want me to read a manual, how to learn how to do this? Are you serious? Bye, and that's it. Yes, there's this uh, make it for me, make it my way, understand me, my needs, my habits, my style. Let me be productive and efficient. Otherwise, go away. I think it's that that crisp. You agree, exactly. Phil? Yep. Yes, exactly. Good. I agree with you. And I think, and I think they're on the right track. I think those of us in earlier generations should have been more demanding. My goodness, we needed a, a leader. We needed a, a banner waver to say, "Out with crappy software. We want stuff that we can really use and get our jobs done." What took us so long? But I digress. Let's bring on our fourth panelist. It's Mark Scheneker, a new evangelist for screen personas at SAP. I love that title. And later, Mark, you'll tell us what you really do. And here's the second Steve Jobs quote that Michael Romero referred to, and it's another great one. I'm taking just a brief part of it. Mark sent me this quote. Simple can be harder than complex, and Steve Jobs adds, but it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. I love this quote. Mark Scheneker, welcome. How are you today? Great. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. Tell me why you picked this Steve Jobs quote. Well, I think when we think about user interface, the first you know, person that comes to mind is Steve Jobs. I mean, he's, you know, for years, he's been an evangelist for, you know, the topic, and he's, he's been making incredible products, uh, incredible user experience, you know. And, and people tend to think of the more recent innovations in the iPhone and, and the iPad, but really it started, you know, years ago with, with the operating system, and, and Microsoft and others have been chasing Steve and the, the design simplicity that he brings. An operating system is remarkably complex, you know, piece of technology and, you know, how to put, you know, hardware to use, um, you know, for you. And he, he basically changed the way that we look and use, uh, you know, computing devices. So I think that what he really understood better perhaps than anybody else was that making something simple is, is incredibly, uh, remarkably difficult, but it should be the, nevertheless, the design goal that we should aspire to. And I think the, the challenge that we run into today is that users are happy, certainly, with a, a simpler, easier-to-use interface, but they're definitely happier when they can get their job done and it provides the features and functionality. And it seems like we're running into a real challenge with how do we deliver the functionality you know, to address what really is complex business processes, but in a way that delivers the simplicity that also brings that, that happiness to the user. So it's been um, basically proposed or, or advocated that these are almost mutually exclusive goals, that if you want to really, you know, conduct, you know, and get your job done during the day, you need a highly productive, feature-rich, and, and by that I mean, you know, complex interface in order to get your job done, and that gives you satisfaction. However, at the same time, you know, we're rethinking the way that we consume technology, the way that we use it, you know, with these little Apple-like bits of, of functionality you get in the App Store. 
And, you know, I, I know I hear, you know, like Uber, right, how easy it is to use Uber. But think about it. The task of Uber is just give me a car. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. It's much more complex to try and, and get a, a complex order, you know, into a system and ship to a customer on time. Good points. Uh, uh, Mark, do you think we are spoiled? Do you think we're spoiled because of the Uberization of so many uh, apps and interfaces that some companies get it, Apple gets it, Uber gets it? Do you think that's spoiling us in all generations throughout the workforce where we we want it simpler, we want it now, and we're just not going to put up with it anymore? (laughs) Uh, What do you think? Are we spoiled brats? And should we we have started being spoiled a long time ago? Tell me. Yeah, are we are we the soundbite generation? You know, we can only listen to, you know, a soundbite from somebody else. We can only really, you know, deal with technology or deal with other systems in small bits of functionality. And I think it's I think it's true. We we expect to be able to do something, you know, in these sound bites and we're, we're in our in our whole, you know, if you look at the millennials, their their notion of, hey, communication is text. It's short. It's a sound bite. It's easy. It's not email, you know, where you can include attachments and fairly complex, mm-hmm. you know, notions or thoughts. So, yes, I think the way that we think is changing. And I think a lot of it has to do with mobile, you know, what we see in, in mobile and what you can do on a phone in a smaller, you know, screen footprint is, of course, just a sound bite of what you typically do on a large screen at your desktop. So can we really move that over? I think that's going to be the challenge for us in the future. Very interesting, and I think Twitter well, has also retrained us. Yes, who's that? Yeah, yes, Bonnie, it's Phil. Well, we're yes. hyper-connected, right? It's a short-burst society, mm-hmm. especially, I think, with the millennial generation. I'm sure that will be mentioned a few times, but com- competition drives innovation, essentially. So, you know, the disruptors like Uber and others, you know, will, will wake up some of the more established uh, enterprises and make them think, think differently. And I think... Um, you know, you might say that uh, UX has been around for a long time. Of course it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today it's mainstream. Thank Bonnie, you. Good, I, good, yes. I would like to just add real quick, this is Michael. It's, it's yes. interesting when we talk about millennials because I've heard the word impatient and shortened communications. But if you think about our generation, and, and it's our generation talking about the next generation, but our generation, when you went from a, a, a analog dial phone to a touchpad, mm-hmm. could you imagine going back to an analog dial phone? So the millennials are approaching it from the perspective that they haven't known anything but digital, and they communicate shorter than we did in email, but we'd used email, and before that it was letters, typed letters. So all we're doing is progressing in our communications and our demand for usability because we know how important time is. So I think it's a natural progression, and so you can either get ahead of it and start driving it like an Uber and Amazon have done in the enterprise, or you'll be left behind, but it's going to happen. Good, Michael. Great. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, just a uh, further comment, Bonnie. In my two-year-old, you walk into a big box store and you walk past the uh, the television area. She wants to swipe those screens. That's all she knows. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. I was going to say to Michael, uh, the old get get go back from analog phones, the old black dial phones with the rotary dial. The only place you see those is people who want vintage or what they used to call on eBay shabby chic. They probably still do where people want to remember the good old days. I think my mother has a, one of those rotary phones stuffed in a closet somewhere. It's just fun to remember when I was growing up. That's all. We had one line. The whole family had to share it. What can I tell you? I just dated myself, but I'm fun to date, so it's okay. Hey, guys, guess what? It's time for us to go back 
back to Yako Van Eden and ask the probably the most difficult question of the whole show. Yako, you know the drill. I'm going to ask you what's in your cup today or what are you planning to drink after the show? Tell me something really interesting about Yako Van Eden. Go ahead. Absolutely. My, um, I'm from South Africa, so one of the most favorite things that I love to do, especially in the afternoon, is to sit down and have a great cup of amarula. And amarula is um, it's a, a fruit from a marula tree in South Africa. Actually, um, that's a tree that they saw that when the elephants eat the fruit, they, they get fuzzy and they get um, lightheaded, if you may. And I looked at the fruit and said, well, this is interesting. Why is it having a great effect on the animals? It must, there must be something to it. So marulas became it's a fruit that they harvest and they make a wonderful liqueur cream out of it. And I love to blend it with my coffee. It gives me my sense of I'm still in Africa, but I'm in this wonderful country of the U.S. And um, that's one of my favorite things to do. Wow, and I just looked it up. It's A-M-A-R-U-L-A. It's a cream liqueur from South Africa made with sugar cream and the fruit of the African marula tree, also locally called the elephant tree or the marriage tree. Alcohol content of 17% by volume. Some success at international spirit rating competitions. It won a gold medal at the 2006 San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Did you know that, Yako? I did. I did. And I'm so happy that to see that actually gets the headlines. You know? So, um, yeah, now you can have an elephant experience right in your home. <laughs> I see the elephant on the label, too. I'm going to have to get me over to the liquor store this weekend and buy a bottle of Amarula. Thanks for the tip. I appreciate it. Michael Romero, do I dare ask you to top that? Maybe not. Go ahead, Michael. I don't think I can top that. And, uh, but right after this, I will have more caffeine to keep up with the millennials. We, we are always talking about what we need to do to uh, increase that user experience, and the millennials are coming, so how do we empower them to take us to the next level? So one of the things to do is caffeine up and get going. So that's what I'll be drinking. I appreciate that. I'm with you. But you know what, Michael? I don't know if you've heard me say this on the radio. They don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days. And today is a two-double-header show. One, sh- one hour apart, I'll be back in an hour. So just water for me. Got to keep my head clear. Phil Durvin, what are you drinking today? A lot of caffeine, a lot of Amarillo, or something in between? Well, you might think I'd be drinking tea. And, of course, um, you know, synonymous with uh, Great Britain is tea. But um, actually, since moving to the United States, Oh, 13 years ago, I've actually come to appreciate um, the uh, Californian wines, but also uh, coffee. And uh, today I'm, I'm actually drinking coffee, and I've come to appreciate some of the uh, ones that are, are brewed in the, in the Berkeley area around San Francisco, no brand name mentioned. Um, but let me tell you a story about another a brand of coffee that I haven't tried, but I want to try it. And I want to try it because... A, uh, um, a work colleague told me about it, and he said that this is obviously it's a it's a world that's it, you know it's a commodity, or is it? This company based in California now roasts the beans, grinds the beans, and you drink it all within two hours. Whoa! And of course they charge you for that, right? It's a four dollar coffee. Um, I don't know if you can t- taste the difference. I'll I'll let you know once I've done that. 
Okay, very interesting. Talk about a user experience, and I want it now. I really want it now. Thank you very much, Phil. And let's turn to Mark Scheneker. Where are you calling from, and what's in your cup? Or what are you, after listening to your three co-panelists, Mark, I'm not sure what you're going to come up with. Go ahead, surprise me. Well, I live on a a small farm out in uh, Colorado, um, just outside of the Denver Metroplex. And and so I guess you could say, you know, we're bracing the simple life. So I love this uh, simplicity topic. It, it kind of goes right to the core. I am uh, in my coffee cup. I have Dazbog, which is a local brew made by um, Russian immigrants. And so they say it's strong like bear. Um, it is very, uh, very strong. Um, as you know, we had some, you know, some changes in the laws here in Colorado. And so I'm not as trendy as the, the kids because, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the thing that's uh, very popular here is cannabis coffee. It actually is here. Yeah, that's that really on the agenda. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> interesting We're flying. Interesting I'm thinking of Peter yeah. Pan. He's flying. Yeah, wow. Cannabis coffee. That's an interesting one. Well, we got to get a yeah. guest to drink that on the air and see where the show goes. Okay, right. thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you to my guests for a very rousing opening segment here. I love the back and forth, and that's what we're looking for, great conversation. We're talking today to Yako Van Eden at Deloitte, Michael Romero at Deloitte Digital, Phil Durbin at SAP, and Mark Scheneker also at SAP. Our topic, in case you haven't guessed it, we're getting there, kids, is user experience in enterprise software, the ROI of UX. I know, alphabet soup, but it's a taste. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I plan to still be Bonnie D. Graham after the break. We're going to come back, and Yaakov Van Eden is going to do the introduction to our roundtable. I'm going to pick something from his copious notes he sent me before the show. We're going to kick off a 30-plus minute nonstop roundtable. So to my panelists, put your seatbelts on. We're going to go take a ride. And to my listeners, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Digital World with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. listening to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Digital World with Game Changers. Here we are. 
we're talking today about the ROI of UX. Can you translate a positive, satisfying customer experience from enterprise software into ROI that you can measure? Big challenge. We're kicking off our roundtable right now with Yako Van Eden at Deloitte Consulting. And Yako sent me the following comments we're going to kick off with. So here we go. He says, there's little difference technically between a complicated, confusing program, we're talking about enterprise software, and a simple, fun, and powerful product. Then he adds, the argument is not between adding features and adding simplicity, but between adding capability and usability. Great intro. Yaakov Van Eden, why don't you start us off on our roundtable? Please go ahead. Absolutely. Um, Bonnie, I think the, the, the thing that I've noticed is that most companies today still think user experience is a nice to have, um, and that's not really business. You know, real business is too complicated. It's, it's got many features, functions. So the, the problem is that um, it's always an add-on at the back end. It's a little stepchild on the side. Um, and what you so even though users have been asking and and want something more simple. The organizations are struggling to fit and connect this to ROI of return on investment or a real financial benefit. Now, what is interesting is that recently uh, Forrester had a research they did and uh, across, across the C-level C executives. And what we've seen is that there's a change happening today that 86% of those uh, that were interviewed now believes that there is a connection between productivity improvements and user experience. 84% of those respondents said that they can see that if you have a great user interface, that you actually can decrease errors and error rates. And 76% says, well, we can see that absolutely it's going to help the um, users um, do quicker, less training and uh, be more productive in the job that they do. The problem is it's not easy and simple to take something off the shelf, even though um, SAP is being really good to, as an example, build these pre-built apps for the users that, that you can plug in. It's called Fiori or the screen persona kind of product. The essence is that you really need to understand what somebody is doing and what they should be doing. So really the design mm -hmm. needs to bring together my job in my process, in my industry, in the best possible way, because somebody has rethink my experience. And you said that, Bonnie, a custom experience is a good example, and that's where a lot of companies do start, is how do I, as a customer service agent, connect the best way with my customer or sales rep and then realign that experience on both sides? My customer wants something simple, quick, and easy. He wants the company to, to do business uh, simple and easy with them. Um, so many companies complain that, you know, you're very hard to do business with. So if you rethink that process, I cannot just say, well, yes, simple, front end, and done. I really have to go below the line and say, well, what are the key attributes and the mm -hmm. uh, capabilities, not just features, of capabilities that are required in the right sequence coming up at the right time with the right information, the right answer to align that experience. That's why it's hard. And I think, you know, Mark in the, in the beginning also said, and that quote from Steve Jobs, the hard is that I need to get away from the clutter 
of so many things that can be done to what is the right things that I choose for that right moment. Mm-hmm. But I'm not losing features, but I'm bringing them to bear at the right moment in time when they're required. Um, I always keep in mind a zero, one, two, three design kind of thinking that if somebody in their job comes and logs into that front end screen, being at mobile or on their desktop, on the first zero click, meaning what I see immediately should bring to me what I need at that moment in time because it knows what it is. It's Monday morning. This is what you are going to do. This is your calendar. This is your next appointment. Or I'm running this report and I need to see what is my deviation on my, on my, on my, my shipping for my logistics because that's what is important from a decision or activity. If it's a Friday, it's different. A Wednesday, it's different. All my role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within three clicks, I should be able to do whatever I need, no more. So some, somebody and, some, and the system should be, should be catered for me in that perspective. Now, technically, this is very possible. That's not the issue anymore. And I, I really thank you know, the evolution that um, Steve has kicked off and then the, the software companies opening up the capability to redesign and rethink. But it comes back to the design. Who and how are you going to sit down and rethink that? That's the biggest problem. And then show that every one of these cases actually brings back to a real benefit for the business. Productivity, gain, sales, growth, operational efficiency. Thank you, Yako. Good insights. Um, Yes, go ahead. I was going to invite Michael to talk, but whoever is up, go (laughs) ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. This is, yeah, this is Mark. Yako, I've got a quick question on the design part because this is, um, you know, who, who is it in the organization that has that skill? I mean, in if I look at the CIO office, you know, these are programmers, you know, engineers by degree. You know, I look at the user community. They understand what they want. But, but where is the person that actually understands the design that balances, you know, like you said, it's the critical piece, right? It's notoriously difficult, as, as we quoted at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Who does that in a company? I mean, where do I find that, that talent or that skill outside of Madison Avenue? Yeah, you know, Mark, that, I think that's one of the number one problems that I see organizations. How do they start and how do they get this going? Now, it is not, well, I can, I can start with this. It is not designing what the users want, right? That, mm-hmm. That's not part of it. That is an input only. Because, remember, if, if I say I'm giving it to my uh, business functional analyst team, as, as an example, or SMEs, and they will go and you know, sit with the users and see what they need, I will get only half the answer because they don't know what they don't know, and they don't even know what is possible because they've been living that life. Uh, it is really a, a function of bringing outside help, especially in the beginning, and a combination of creative design, design thinking, visual design, and process. Because if somebody needs to know the process, so you really need to think about a concept of a user experience, experience center of excellence that has to be established, which brings together your process, technical, but also creative design and design thinking. And truly, I've seen that most companies do not have this capability. And where they trap themselves in, in an agile way, is that, well, we'll just re- the users will tell us what they want, but then you just make something bad just a little bit better. You have really an opportunity to completely transform the thinking and go beyond what should it be 
not what it was and make that better. What should it really be if I rethink the process? But a great, big challenge. Yeah, I Thank agree. you, Yako. Go ahead, to Phil. add to that comment, yes, yeah, Phil, I'd agree with you, uh, Yako. Um, good question from Mark. You know, I think there's, there's some pollution, right? The UX discipline has become very broad now, and a lot of people claim to practice it. Right? And, um, you know, of course, learning deeply about the customer first uh, is, is absolutely a first step, but not everyone can design. Design is a different discipline. And some companies have it. Uh, I know that uh, Deloitte Digital does, for example, but not everybody can. I, and I'd agree with your, your comment there, Yucca. Thank you, Phil. I have to get Michael Romero in here. Michael, talk to us. A lot of thoughts on the table here. Yeah, and just to add to that, uh, you're right. It's, it's a different way of thinking. But this is one of the fastest growing areas within the, the agency market segment is digital agencies where you're marrying design thinking, you're, you're, you're bringing in that creativity, but you also understand work process flow. And companies like Deloitte Digital have been formed over the last four years to address that market segment because it is challenging and it is a different way to think. But it's been around for a few years now, and it's really starting to proliferate across the enterprise market. It really started in the consumer-facing companies, and now it's really starting to penetrate into the older uh, industry segments, oil and gas. You know, uh, The usability aspect is going across, but how do you bring in that expertise to train your organization? How do you go find that expertise to bring into your organization so you start to think differently? But it's the first step of acknowledging you don't have that expertise and you need to find it and bring it in, whether it be temporary through a consultant or it's long-term by hiring employees. But companies need to take that step. Sounds like yeah, there's a new, the, a new so player I on think, the field. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead Doug, Phil. So I'll just add mm -hmm. that I think the, the early adopters are the, the high media spending industries uh, like uh, retail and consumer products, automotive Telco, high tech, pharma, you know, basically the people you, you switch the, you know, the TV on, and those are the people advertising on the TV, although they're leaving TV and they're going to social media and other publishing channels these days. And that's where uh, user experience is even more critical. And there's lots and lots of dollars going that way. And you think about usability, it, it really started in the consumer space and has rolled into the white-collar or office worker space, but there's exactly. so much opportunity out in the field. There's, a, there's yep. as many field workers out there that need to be empowered as well, and mobility has really started to drive that usability mindset change. But as we're catching up on mobility and we're just talking about the usability on a mobile or a tablet all of a sudden, wearables are starting to become very active around us. So when you start thinking out 10, 15 years, you have to even think different than you do today, the simplification. So I can use, whether it be a, a watch or a glass or some other wearable technology we haven't even thought of yet, it's really starting to transform and increase productivity where you're at, when you need it, as you need it. Just four years ago, if you needed data, you had to walk back to a laptop that was strapped to a roller cart that's rolling around the field to access data. Today, it's with you when you need it, how you need it. 
Thank you. I'm looking at Michael Romero's notes, Michael. I saw some interesting statistics here, and I'd like to move in a slightly different direction. You say, in recent studies, companies like IBM have seen a 1 to 100 return ratio. For every dollar spent on UX, $100 is saved on product development and is a key focus on system upgrades, modernization of IT, or installing net new functionality. But I'm going to add one more statistic here before you expand for us, Michael. You say, a recent survey of 735 internet companies show that they invest just 11.5% of their product development funding in usability. So what does this say about the reality check of where the landscape is today, Michael? Exactly. It's it's right there. It's stating that we're not spending enough yet. Mm-hmm. If you talk about companies that we talk about from a usability perspective, uh, if you talk about a Spotify, Uber, and Amazon, you know, the same old, same old, but then you look at their process of how they bring their products to market, it's all about a very agile process. And within the app itself, they have widgets within those apps, and they have teams that, that manage those widgets. And a lot of people don't realize it, but some of these companies actually update their application multiple times in a day, let alone Ooh. in a week. And there's ways to do that without affecting the user experience nor affecting the enterprise application on the back end. Now, in the enterprise space, I don't expect us to be updating user experiences on a daily basis, but we have proven models that say you can increase that usability. And then what you do is you create that layer of separation between the user and what they're doing on a daily basis and the enterprise application on the back end so you can start to consolidate and improve that process. But isolation is happening. You don't have your downtimes and all the challenges you have today when you're always updating that enterprise application. Thank you. Phil Durvin, thoughts on what Michael just shared with us? Well, uh, absolutely, I agree. I think, um, you know, the reality is uh, that, um, you know, if it can't be measured, it doesn't count. I'm, I'm not sure I believe in that. I think there are soft measures and there are hard measures, right? So I think if you, if you have to have a hard ROI, you deliver quantity, not quality. Interesting. Yes, and I can bond with Siaka. I can. Yes. I can add to this. And, and the, the, the problem I see here is that when you design software, um, you know the. I think that the trap is that every time if we think I want to do something better and good now, I I will do a single stack. This will serve this particular purpose. If it's a customer or new sales rep app, we will design this right. We'll get it right to the sales rep. And then we maintain. The problem that software companies have is that you cannot build everything standalone anymore. You really need to think through, um, and that's why I think you see a lot of you know small investments yet, and then trying to figure out how do they really do this because it has to be reusable. If you think about an, a creating an order uh, or the order tracking component, uh, the sales rep wants to see it in one way. The customer needs to see it in another way when they do customer self-service. Customers, uh, you know, service support or call center will need to see that in a different way. Your financial view is going to be different. So if you really need to have these objects almost like, a, a, you know, um, reusable components in a library that you can reskin them the way you need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it complicated because you – you, you almost have to think about the library, and when, when you start to customize as an, as an enterprise, uh, on top of what the, it, the ERP system gives you, the maintenance becomes 
really problematic if you don't understand how to organize yourself. And then on top of that, you say, well, how do I do this? And I use an agile process, which nobody really understands and, and struggle to adopt in the enterprise. Because everybody knows I've designed and I go build it and I test and I show the user. Those days are gone. It's, it's really not simple. And I think there's many things to be considered, but it's absolutely a thing that has to be done. Has to be done. Mark Schenecker, join us. Thoughts on what your three <laughs> co-panelists have just shared? Not putting any pressure on you, Mark, but I know you have something to say. Well, we have. I think there's two aspects to the to the ROI. I mean, I think that a lot of organizations have, you know, they, we've evolved, right? We don't just sell products out of, out of a, you know, a building or a physical site. A lot of us have a web presence, if not an e-commerce experience. And so we see ROI. We improve the experience for our customers on the web, and it directly translates to increased revenue. That type of experience, you know, that type of, of results that we see driven on our e-commerce, you know, is the direct evidence, you know, to a, to a board of directors that says, hey, the more money I put into usability, the more revenue I get. We see this with Amazon. We see it with Uber, you know, basically business models that rely entirely on the user experience. Now, translating that to the back end, and you say, wait a minute, if I deliver that same investment in usability, can I lower my training costs? You know, can I deliver a better business process? Can I, can I do things faster and more efficiently? And I think that's what's coming about is that basically mobility, you know, the, the little Apple-like bits of functionality that we now carry in our pocket, you know, but more than that, you know, our web presence and our usability and the time that we spend there all basically lead us to the same thing, which is investment in usability has huge returns on, on every part of our business. Why can't it have the same return on our 40-year-old enterprise software that runs our, our business processes? And I think that's what's happening today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Bonnie, um, just to Go add ahead. to that, I think if you, if you think of all of us think, and the listeners too, think about abandoning carts on an e-commerce site. We've all done that because it's frustrating, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So you've had to enter something. It's not intuitive. How many times have you abandoned an Amazon cart? Rarely. It's, it's, it's so easy. They make it so easy for you that you can order something very quickly, and you don't get frustrated. It's intuitive. But other sites still out there are not. Good, good yeah, point, know, Phil. What is interesting about Amazon, you know, now that mm -hmm. you mentioned that, is that one of the things that, that Besner does when he started Amazon is he, he spent, I think, 100 to 1 to 0 cost on the design first before just marketing mm -hmm. out the platform. In fact, if you think about the early days, there's not really ads on the, you know, on the, on, on websites or TV talking about Amazon. It's almost by itself, and people tell people, and because you use it, you want to use it. So design, that, that's actually a good example of because he spent that money on design first, it is so good that people want to be on there because their needs are fulfilled. And, you know, it's a, it's a great example of what should happen in the enterprise because if you think about the experience of a consumer there, it's really combining to you what you need from a business process, you can see what, you, what you're looking for. It brings together your collaboration needs because you can connect with your, your rep. And, and uh, content applications comes to you when you need that. So, so the content, the data, the view, the picture, the detail around the product, the research, my, kind of my social, what other people are saying. And then all the analytics predictively is pushing to you, well, what if you see this, 
uh, I want to buy, you know, this this uh, this this kind of uh, equipment. These are the other things that other people are also looking at. It's so intuitively connected, and I think that's yeah. a good example that I always use when um, companies are rethinking: is how do you combine business process, not just transactions, with your collaboration, with content, with uh, your, your uh, uh, optimization and predictive analytics together in a simple, intuitive interface. But investing in the right places makes sense. It does. I heard yeah, somebody wanting to talk. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, that's uh, Phil here again. And just, and just remember, right, that good news and bad news travels really fast, right? There are 550 mm-hmm. million tweets a day. Maybe that's more than that now. That's the last number I saw. 1.3 billion users of Facebook. So, uh, and it happens. People are social, they're mobile, and they're talking. Absolutely. Phil, I'm looking at your notes. We are almost ready to move into our predictions round, but I want to cover a couple more. Uh, Bun Mo, some words of wisdom here. You say investing in UX may seem like an unnecessary upfront cost with no tangible return, but Phil Durbin says it will actually save you money in the long run. And then one more comment. You say hidden ROI, that's hidden, not, not the obvious bottom line, comes from the result of an overall effort. Many benefits of user experience effort almost often go unnoticed. So this is the hard part, right, Phil? If, you, if they're unnoticed, if they're, uh, they have no tangible return, are they going to be biting the bottom line people in the company who say, we can't have any more man or woman power on this, we can't see any benefit? How do you get around that, Phil? Well, we've spoken a lot about soft measures. Um, I actually want to share a story about a harder uh, a return mm-hmm. on investment, and it's a utility company in the U.K., actually, that uh, – that I know quite well, and I think we can all, you know, recognise this use case. And, and, and a company simplified it, so they essentially uh, wanted to look at their move-in, move-out process. So somebody's moving an apartment; they're moving into another apartment or a house. They can do that online, and of course, as we know today, you engage with the customer on a channel of their choice. And in this particular case, they had, and I'll tell you in a minute, the number a high volume of people calling the utility and saying, I need to tell you that I'm moving out on the 25th and I'm moving into my new house on the 25th and I need you to come and read the meter and and here's my new address and all of that. That was taking about 10 minutes on average for that call Mm -hmm. to take place. And it was simplified using uh, the, actually as Yako mentioned earlier, uh, a new UI uh, mm-hmm. with the consulting process to understand what the customers were doing and design. And they basically got a new you know, front-end app that got that process down to under two minutes every time. Wow. And when you consider that they were doing that 300,000 times a year, right, it's very easy to see that there are eight minutes saved per, per call times 300,000, very hard ROI good return investment and that company is now you know promoting that to all utilities it possibly can right so that's a great a great measure of hard roi 
Thank you, Phil. And uh, Phil, by the way, I checked in every second on average, and I've already consumed several seconds just saying this sentence, 6,000 tweets are tweeted on Twitter, which is 350,000 tweets sent a minute, 500 million a day, and 200 billion a year. Just those are the latest statistics wanted you to know. Mark Schenecker, we're almost ready for predictions. Actually, I have one minute to start the predictions and give you each one minute. But Mark, I want to know if any closing comments on what you've heard from your other panelists uh, just before we go to predictions. Mark? Well, I think that this has been a great discussion. I mean, we're listening to design. Um, you know, I think there's hard values and soft values and, you know, user experience, which is a remarkable thing. And I think the understanding or basically the revelation to companies is that there's money in, in user experience, uh-huh. I mean, real money. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a kind of the takeaway I'm, I'm hearing from our panel. Thank you. And I agree. Great discussion. Now, I'm going to give you each one minute on the clock, seriously. So keep it tight. Our conversation today is about user experience and enterprise software, the ROI of UX. Let's fast forward to the year 2020 or any future time you see in the crystal ball that I know you dusted off before the show started today. So, Yako Van Eden at Deloitte, what do you predict our conversation would be like if we met at a future time? One minute, predictions. Yako, go. Bonnie, we're going to be talking about the connected world uh, where the consumer companies and retail companies will own the consumer in their home. So everything is getting connected, um, moving towards something called the smart cities. And, you know, everything – so the retailers, uh, like the, uh, the clothing companies, want to own your closet. Your, your consumer company and your groceries, household items want to own your kitchen. I want to own your your, uh, laundry room. Um, Everything will be connected. We're going to talk about the the privacy issues around that. Um, I'm going to be known. I'm going to be identifiable no matter where I am. Um, And the city will know because the benefits will be great because we can efficiently do things, but there's going to be a price to pay. Um, And it will be an exciting future with with lots of new challenges. I'm looking forward to that discussion. Thank you very much. Great way to end a good conversation. Let's turn to Michael Romero, also with Deloitte. Michael, predictions, one minute, go. I would say that in 20 years, we would still be talking about usability, only the devices we'll be using will be different. So like Yako said, the Internet of Things is going to be real, and it's going to be here very quickly. So how do we modify the user experience and the interaction? How do we modify the way that the the corporations connect with their employees? How do they drive that happiness, that emotional connection? Because that's going to be even more important moving forward because the millennials and the next generations are going to want to look for that satisfaction different than their parents did. So we have to keep our eye on this ball, and it's going to continue to evolve. And we have to continue the conversations. Thank you, Michael. You know, millennials are getting older now. They're in their 30s. We're going to have to start talking about another generation, excuse me, that's going to be emerging. And they're going to want even more faster and quicker. And a lot of new questions and new mandates will come up. Phil Durbin, predictions, one minute. I mean, one minute. Go. We'll see the maturity of the Internet of Things, uh, systems of engagement and systems of intelligence, and uh, smart systems is is a common term, but cognitive systems, the combination of natural language processing, that's the words we speak and their meaning, artificial intelligence seems like the future, absolutely, it will be here, along with machine learning, so in other words, what we do, and Yako touched on this earlier, about Monday mornings, you come in, it knows what you want to do, it's a, I see the growth of 
these sort of knowledge, intelligence, augmentation tools, understanding what's being said, the emotions, and it adapts and learns as we go. Thank you. Made me think of the mamas and the papas. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Now they would know if you were singing that song when you wake up and go to work on Monday. Mark Scheneker, one-minute predictions, go. I think that um, what's happened today, you know, if we contrast it, you know, companies are becoming very aware of what usability and what user experience is. And I think they're making the investments to make a, a much more, you know, a quality user experience. I think what's going to happen in systems is we're, we're going to become much more precise about the needs of our users. And we're going to do that by anticipating what they need. And so I think software is going to get a lot smarter, not about the functionality. We've conquered that. We can run just about any business process. We can sell just about anything on the Internet. What we, we are, I think, in the next step or the next evolution of this is we're going to anticipate what it is that you want before you think about it. And that the user interface is going to yield, I think, remarkable productivity by basically understanding what you want to do before we even realize it. Thank you very much. We are out of time. Thank you to Yaakov Van Eden and Michael Romero at Deloitte, Phil Durbin and Mark Scheniker at SAP. I'll be back in one hour, believe it or not, with what's on today. I think our next show is Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. We have a triple show share at 12 noon Eastern on Tuesdays. Shout out to everybody. Uh, my four guests, you were wonderful. And Phil Durbin and Mark Scheniker, thanks for organizing this topic. Brad and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio, thank you for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Maybe it's digital. Fasten itself. Who knows? Not too tight, please. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you in an hour. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.